Thanks for joining with us today on our Potter's Hope podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and gives you strength to live out the life that God has for you. Enjoy the message. Well, I'm going to tell you today, I surely don't take for granted this pulpit. We started, guys, last week, I think, talking about taking a seat at the table, that your table's ready. And we talked about how Jezebel's preparing a table in this very time that we're living in. We preached that, I think, Sunday and also Wednesday. And how the table of control has always been set, but there is a spirit that Jezebel is a spirit that she has something that wants to reign and rule in your life. Today, we're going to take a seat. Um, We don't want to take a seat at this table, but I'm going to present another table to you. And I'm going to use in Psalm 78, if you have your Bible, go to Psalm 78 with me. And if you, as you're turning there and as you're getting your Bible, I want you to understand, once again, we laid the format for this last week, but Psalm 78 and 1 Corinthians chapter 10 coincide with each other. So if we could, just a quick time frame that Asaph here that is writing this psalm is really one of King David's worship leaders. Many of the psalms you'll see are written by him and, and different things. And this is 500 years. Asaph is penning this 500 years after the Exodus. So if you could just use a quick, this is just a, a very general, 1500 B.C. to now 1000 B.C. Here we are, Asaph is writing this. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, of course, we know that that's based there from the mouth of Paul. And probably, I don't know, 50 to 70 A.D., somewhere in that range, I don't know, something like that. Within that. So we can see here that, uh, that truly all of it's going to intertwine. But this thought, the Lord was showing me just the different tables, and before I get straight into it, was showing me different tables. And I can tell you this before I go on. I want to be very transparent, and I want to tell you that each one of these tables are are one that I have sat at in my life. And they have truly caused me much harm. And whether it's Jezebel's table of control or whether it's the one today that we're going to talk about of unbelief and doubt, I've got to tell you, you've got to make a conscious decision and choice today not to take a seat at that table. Because hell will beckon in your ear. Satan will whisper in your ear and continually tell you that your table is ready. You just got to choose not to sit at the table of the enemy. So if we could, I want to do this. Let's let's go to verse 1. Psalm chapter 78 and verse 1. He said, give your, O my people, to my law, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable, and I will utter the dark sayings of old, which we have heard and we have known, and our fathers have told us. And you see, this is what he's saying, and all of this today is going to be uh, the, the importance of your testimony is really where this will end up. And he said, we will not hide from them, or we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded for our fathers or commanded our fathers that they should make them known to the gener- or to their children. Look at verse 6. That the generation to come, now this is important, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born who should arise and declare them to their children. Verse 7, here's why, at least three things. 
the importance of your testimony, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God but keep His commandments and not be as, as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Now, if you could, if you could go down to verse 18 with me. And this, once again, is the narrative of a people that even though they had been brought out of bondage and brought out of Egypt, they continually vacillated back and forth on whom to serve and to murmur and to complain. And yet God remained faithful. The Word of God says this, verse 18, And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. They even said this, Yea, they spake against God, and they said, Can God furnish or can God prepare or order a table in the wilderness? Behold, he smote the rock, that the waters gushed out, and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Pray with me. Heavenly Father, once again, as we come to you, in the precious, powerful name of Jesus, your Son and our Savior, God, today I pray that your word would go forth in a mighty way. That, God, you would use this holy word. God, to absolutely tear down the walls of religion and God's selfishness that we have. Lord, today, that every thought of unbelief and every seed of doubt would not only be recognized, but, God, that you would absolutely take that out of our life. And, God, take the seeds of the enemy that have been placed, God, that it went from our ears to our heart. God, today, we are allowing you, asking you, to come inside us in such a way, in such a powerful way, through the Holy Ghost and the convicting power, to God not only to show it, but to take it out. God, today we know that you have the authority. We yield unto you. And God, today, let everyone that has an ear, let them hear. God, today, for that one that is lost, <laughs> let them know, God, that they've already been found. That, God, that we can't hide behind the fig leaves of, of man's thought and or and or, God, demise or anything else that, God, today we can't hide behind ourselves any longer. But, God, today everything is naked and open unto you. And, God, today as we place, Lord, right now our heart open in your hands to observe, we believe this is a day of change. We believe it and we declare it. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you so much once again for being with us today. I appreciate those that are ever faithful to come in here to the house to see that the praise team, that those that are in place back there in the back that see that the promotion uh, uh, of this going forward. I'm so thankful for you all, and I want you to know that. I want you to know that. And once again, thank you for letting us come into your home. So the second table today is not Jezebel's table, but the question is this, and this is really where it all began to start with me, is that can the Lord provide a table in the wilderness? And see, this is the thought that, that we go from when, when, the, when the blood, we have to understand that the blood gave us the authority to come out of Egypt. If we were looking in our own life, the blood set you free from Pharaoh's control and from the hellish sin that was in your life. The blood will set you free. It'll be one thing to come out of Egypt, but then don't be stuck in a mindset of limbo. It's not just one thing to come out 
Now the Holy Spirit wants to take you in. That's where we're on the path to Pentecost. Can I tell you, the blood will save you, but the Holy Ghost will give you the authority and the power that you need in this very day that we are living in right now. Right now. So can the Lord provide a table in the wilderness? So even as Asaph is saying this 500 years before, they had come out of Egypt, and yet we find them going back and forth. We don't have enough to eat. We're thirsty. We're this. We're that. And I think that all of us have understood that even through this time now and this time that we're living in, that you know what? If we're not careful, we'll spend more time whining and complaining than we do praising God and thanking God that we have. Listen, can I tell you something? Why don't you just go ahead and start thanking God for nothing? What do you mean thanking God for nothing? I begin to develop my praise in this way. Nothing's going to keep me down. Nothing's going to keep me out. Nothing can keep me from the presence of God. Can I declare today, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. And let that be something that resonates within you. For the note takers today, this is the main theme and the main thought. This is not my destiny. This is just part of my testimony. This is not my destiny. This is just part of my testimony. If you're like me, there's been different times in your life and you've wondered, am I ever going to make it through it? Is this ever going to change? And, and can I tell you this? This is something that we need to understand. That so many times we are locked within a circumstance. We are locked within this or that. Can I tell you that the, the key to that is though you may be in a circumstance, and if it would, if it was just like a giant hula hoop that was around you, that you may feel like you're in that circumstance. But can I tell you this very thought that where you are, it's not what you're in, it's who's in you. So we can con- we can declare today that greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. power of the testimony and the impact of your testimony. And he's saying this and what they did is they would rehearse this 500 years after the exodus. Asaph is telling what they already knew that this was rehearsed of how God had brought you out. I've been able to tell my children they think they were the only ones that were out of school for several days. Back in what I think was 77, 1977 or 78, back when I was probably 12 or 13 years old, a snowstorm hit. For 30 days, we were out of school. You said, what? Is this? No, for 30 days, you remember that? We were, for all those days, we were out of school. And you're thinking, man, this is the first time, and this is very different. I understand that. But listen, in the midst of all of that, 30 days, we were out of school. Well, did you all get to do this or get to? No. Here's what we had to do that once the snow melted, we had to go back to school. And not only Monday through Friday, we had to go on Saturdays. And that serves as a testimony. There's different times in my life that God has showed up when the enemy was knocking at my door and telling me that I had this or I had that or I didn't have enough this or that. My God showed up and answered the door when the enemy came and said, this is my son, just like he is to you. This is my son. This is my daughter. This is my family. Hell, you have no right or authority to come into my house where my kids live. Why don't somebody just go ahead and declare that today with God and believe that he's the one answering your door? This is not my destiny. It's just part of my testimony. Why? you got to prove to your children. Write this down. I wrote this down for me. Prove to your children 
that when something comes up, our God comes down. Prove to your children. Testify to your children. Where did this come from? None of us seen this six months ago. I sure didn't. But when something comes up, teach to your children, preach to yourself, that when something comes up, God comes down. Why? Because he's faithful. Asher, he's faithful. There's nothing new under the sun, and like I've already said, nothing takes him by surprise. Now I'm going to do a play on words. That when something comes up from nowhere, which is in nowhere, that when something comes up from nowhere, teach your your children, hallelujah, this very thought. From nowhere to nowhere, what am I talking about? When something comes up from nowhere, teach them to know where to turn. This is so important in your life because your children are watching you. So we're going from nowhere to nowhere. No, this just stuff just comes up. Listen, that's life. That's life. If you all remember, we started this year with, with Potter's Hope. You know, we started with Show Us Your Glory, Lord. And listen, if you will, if I had a subtitle or main title, whichever one, it was not only Show Us Your Glory, but we declared that we're going to raise champions. Listen, deciding to raise champions is not and cannot. It cannot be determined of what this comes or that comes. Can I tell you, champions are forged in the furnace of affliction and in the midst of trials and situations. That's where champions are formed. You don't wake up one morning. Listen, you can't do that. Listen, champions understand that by faith they are formed. You're raising champions and all the kids out there that are watching and all you seniors, man, that you're saying, man, this is a bummer. I understand, man, and my heart grieves for you. But you're going to have a testimony 20 years down the road, 30 years down the road. And then that day, whenever it is, 70, 80, 90, 100 years, when you get to heaven, <laughs> you're going to be able to declare that testimony and say, I know that came up, but you came down. We're still raising champions. Why is this so important? In Psalm 78, in Psalm 78 and verse 6, that I just said, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born and should arise and declare them to their children. Why? There's three things, Jake, that it says in verse 7. Number one, teach your children to set their hope in God. All of us, I'm sure many of us are praying for a vaccine. We're praying for that. There's nothing wrong with that. But can I tell you, if a vaccine, and I'm not speaking doubt to you, I'm not speaking unbelief, here's the thing that I'm telling you, if there's not a vaccine developed, if there's not this or there's not that, can I tell you, set your children's hopes in God. Why? We've already sung it. We already believe it. Our God will deliver. Can I get a witness from anybody in this house today that our God is still the delivering kind? Teach your children to set their hope in God. That is exactly what we're doing. Sure, you're praying for a vaccine. Sure, we're praying for things that will do this and do that. We understand that. But the Israelites didn't set their hope in God because of their lustful desire and because of the need to fulfill the flesh. They would find themselves many times right there again. And not only that, three things, set their hope in God. And number two, don't forget the works of God. 
Parents, it is so, so important. Caregivers, listen, mentors. Set your sights on God. Number two, don't forget what God has done for you. See, that's really this whole thought here. This is the testimony. If God has ever done anything for you, tell somebody. Maybe you want to do that online. Tell somebody what God has done for you. Listen, this is one thing that I know is that in my life that when I'm going through something, I don't look for somebody that didn't make it. I look for somebody that came out on the other side of it. I don't look for somebody that said I couldn't do it. I look for somebody that declares I can do it. I did do it, not in my own, but in Him. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Find that person that understands there's a time to be in the bunker and there's a time to be on the front line. to develop power. Let the Holy Ghost begin to develop in you a strength that you've never had before. Set your hope in God. Don't forget what God has done for you. And the third thing, keep His commandments. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbors yourself. All of it's pretty well encapsulated within those two things. And we'll be talking about two things going forward in the future. I don't know when it's going to come out. Two things, two great things. The great commandment and the great commission. They're both intertwined in our life. So this, what has God done for you? So as Asaph is telling, he basically coming back and saying this, didn't I part the water? When you were hungry, did not feed you, and all throughout that, and you can see in 1 Corinthians 10 also, did not part the water so that you could come out, did not give you manna, that when you're thirsty, did not let a rock follow you, that any time that you cried out in thirst, that you could be, you could be filled with that living water. Even in the Old Testament, most believe, and the Word of God would, would, would absolutely align with that, that Jesus was that rock that followed them. That when you're thirsty, He's that drink. Went on to say this, that tell your children that he led us with a cloud by day and fire by night. Go ahead and declare those times that you didn't know you was going to make it, but God seen you through. Praise be to God. Why is it so important in the impact of your testimony? And once again, this is not my destiny. This is just part of my testimony, and I'll get to more of that in a moment. Why is your testimony so important? Because I believe that there are things at work that are trying to destroy this nation. And I'm not one of these that really has, you know, I'm not one that has the theory that this is this and that there's absolutely everything working behind the scenes. But can I tell you, the enemy hates you. Why? Because you are made in the image of God. He hates anything and everything that sounds like, looks like, and acts like God. So if you sound like God when the scripture comes out of your mouth, if you look like God when you change your spiritual appearance, you've got a smile on your face, and if you start acting like God's husbands and wives, hell hates it. Hell hates it because he hates anything that looks like him. If I were the enemy, I would understand this piece of scripture. 
in Psalm 11.3. That if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? That the wicked should be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. This is the truth today. And the fact of the matter that if I was going to bring a nation down, what would I do? My thought wouldn't just be to hit it at the top. It would be to hit it at the very foundation. Still talking about unbelief and doubt. Still talking about the power of your testimony and to your kids. If we were doing this, if we were talking about destroying the foundation and forgetting God, I want you to look at where we're at right now in America. If we were speaking to this nation in regards to it being a a house, tornadoes, floods, and even fire, but many times the foundations and the subfloors that when you see that by any of those natural things that could come, many times you'll see the foundation still intact. But you know the greatest way is to take down a house, if you will, in the natural sense. The greatest way is this. If you want to destroy the foundation and you want to destroy the home, you start with a termite. You start with something that starts at the foundation. And it's something that you don't see. It would be by accident that you would see a termite flying around. But what that termite does is that it burrows within the wood and it comes up through the mud and it does that and it begins to weaken the structure. What's happening in America today is that there's all kinds of mites. There's all kinds of ites. There's all those that we've talked about before. There's not just termites. There's still Hittites. There's still never rights, never get it rights, don't want to be rights, all of those, sodomites, everything else that are coming against the structure and the very foundation in which this nation was built upon. Can the Lord furnish a table in the wilderness? The thing is, is that today we are believing the lie of the enemy and say that it's only through man's hand that, that, that we can prosper in a nation. Listen, I declare today that it's through my God that He will supply all of your need according to His riches and glory. If I'm going to take a nation down, I will attack the foundation. If the enemy wants to attack marriage, he starts at the foundation. He begins to declare that it's not just a man and a woman. He begins his own narrative, and he tears down what was a holy covenant from God, and he lets it be a man-made contract. He wants to tear the foundation down. I know it's not popular. See, Asher, for so long, we thought that if we were, this is a powerful thought here. We thought before that if we had the greatest arsenal and that if we had the greatest, the fastest jets, the quickest tanks, if we had more firepower, we could destroy any nation. Can I tell you, God's nation has a different firepower. It's the Holy Ghost firepower that I'm talking about. That when you've got that, but listen, we used to think that it was bombs, and surely I understand, and that's unconventional. Say the word conventional. You see, this is three levels here, that when you begin to think about that today, we're living right here. Bombs would be the conventional way that you would tear down a foundation, that you would tear down the house, that you would destroy structure. It's conventional. The other today that we're wondering about and we're seeing about, and I don't know that anybody in Wuhan, China would ever see this, but can I tell you, I've got questions of whether or not, I don't know if it's it's conventional, but I'm wondering if it's biological. 
So we can do it by conventional means, but can we do it by biological means, which means that I'm coming through the genetic and the structure of a human being, and I'm only attacking this one or that one. Can I tell you, there's a lot of things pointing to that. So conventional, biological, but can I tell you, if you really want to tear down a nation, if you really want to destroy the foundation, what you do, you can't bomb it. You don't do it by bomb, you do it by belief. What you do is this, is you start spreading propaganda. You drop things in out of the air and you begin to tell people that, hey, listen, this and that. And can I tell you, you, you and I both know that this is so prevalent today, that there's things that are coming through the airwaves and being dropped into your home and into your life that, listen, we'll buy our way out of this. Can I tell you, we can't buy our way out of nothing. But what I can tell you is this, is that our Father, our God, owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And not only Shannon does he own the cattle, he owns the sheep. Wouldn't by your hand, could you end up losing a lamb at all? Then in one of those first batches you had, how many did you have? Folks, just bear with me. How many lambs did you have early on? Shannon's an usher today for y'all thinking, what's Shannon doing in church? He's an usher today. Shannon, his, his use, E-W-E-S, his use gave birth to 106 lambs. He didn't lose one of them. Is he a good farmer? Is he a good shepherd? Absolutely. Does his family all care for them sheep? Yes. But can I tell you not to lose one? It's bigger than them. It's God. And today what I need to tell you is this, is that God has got it. In the midst of everything that you, that you have going on in your life, man, it's the same thing that I've been trying to tell you. Set your hope in God and as good a manager as you are, and you were, God is the one. So what am I going to do? If I want to tear down the structure, the bombs will tear down the structures. And those penetrating bombs can even have an effect on the foundations. But if I truly want to win, you can bomb my house. But you can't have my home. Why? Because my house is built with two befores, most of mine with concrete and different things. And it's built by man's hands. But my home is built by the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost and the power of that unseen hand that is my almighty God. So I declare today that if I was going to take a nation down, it wouldn't be through a bomb. It'd be through the belief. From the inside and not the outside. At least four, and I don't know that any of these members of Congress will be listening today, but I will tell you right now that this is a Christian nation. In 1776, this nation was formed and the foundation was set by Judeo-Christian value. That we believed in the inerrant, infallible Word of God. We may not always agree on every point of it, but we believe 
in the power of the blood of the Lamb. We believe that through the power of the blood and the Lamb, we believe through that, we believe that not only are we saved, but hallelujah, we are a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. That this was not based on the Koran. That this was not based on a Muslim theology and or ideology. You cannot, will not, or ever will you be able to tear down the structure and the framework that the blood has built into this Christian nation. You can have your mind. I will tell you. You can worship your God. God's showing every other God that he is a jealous God. And him only shall we serve. And by the way, if you're of the Muslim faith and you're listening right now, I thank God that you took the time to, to tune in. And I need to tell you that Jesus is not step four. He's not just a prophet. He may be a prophet to you. But what you call a prophet is the priest, the high priest of my soul. And I want to tell you with all the love that is in me that God so loved you and the rest of all of this world that he gave his only begotten son not just to die at Calvary for you, not just the blood, not just so that the blood would pay the price, but your sin could be, if you will allow it, to be buried in that tomb. And then you can understand the power of the resurrection. Can I tell you, Jesus is not step three or four. He's step one, two, three. He's all of it. So today, I'm going to encourage you, and with Holy Ghost convicting power, I'm praying for you that you'll quit serving the lost gods of who you are. There's no God like Jehovah, and I declare today that God does have a son, and his name is Jesus Christ. Can I get a witness from anybody that's in this house with all the love that is in me? So what do I do? I infiltrate. I get into not by bomb, but by the belief in the mind. I begin to allow that to happen inside, not the outside. And now what has happened is begin to seep into the halls of Congress. And the thoughts, and the, and the thought is that, hey, listen, we need to be accepting. We need to be this. Can I tell you, I will accept you as a human being. But I need to tell you that every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You got an opportunity to do it here and to give your life to Jesus. But I will tell you, if you don't do it here, you will do it there. All will come before him. Christians will come before the judgment seat of Christ. All non-believers will come before the great white throne judgment of God. Say, Brother Wayne, I need some encouragement. You should be encouraged right now. How many of you are encouraged that you're saved by the blood and through the blood of Jesus Christ? If you are, what about five people in here giving God some praise? Why not you at home? Listen, you listen. Can I tell you, don't wait to get to church to do a hot lap. Do a home lap. Practice. Practice. What I would do is this. I would work from the inside, not the outside. Why? Because it's the oldest trick of the enemy. Before death came doubt. All that the enemy had to do in Genesis chapter 3 was to get Eve to doubt and tell her what she could be instead of what God told her to stay away from. Doubt and unbelief. Now listen closely. 
as I am speaking this morning, and many of you have seen because now many of your minds have been on the ten plagues of Egypt, and many of you have heard about the swarms of locusts that are infiltrating and absolutely destroying and beginning to destroy crops and beginning to destroy any type of vegetation that they can in places like Africa and other places that are already at a loss to try to feed everyone, Asher. Locusts are not new, just in a little bit of study. It's been over 70 years, though, since, since these great swarms that are, some of them are even the size of New York. New York City, some of them are even that size. Talking about taking up space. I stand before you today thankful. I don't play the lottery, and yet I won the lottery. I was born in a nation... that was built upon the foundation of the Word of God. I don't take this pulpit for granted, and neither should you, the pulpit that God has placed in your life, whether simply to preach to your family or those at work. I'm proud today to be a Christian, and I use that word proud in the right way. I'm humbled. proud today to be a Christian, not by what I've done, but what he has done. Being a Christian is more than a title. It's only in him and through him that any of us will see heaven. This locust swarm is not new. You say, well, Brother Wayne, as long as it stays in Africa, no. Can I tell you, there's been at least two times the swarms of locusts have come, one much larger than the other. Surprise. The enemy loves the element of surprise. Seventy-nine years ago, a swarm of Japanese locusts could be heard on the morning of December 7th in 1941. It was the day that President Roosevelt said that would live in infamy. But I can declare to you today this. The Japanese sunk the ships, but they couldn't sink the spirit. They bombed the harbor, but they couldn't destroy the hope. They destroyed the runways, but they couldn't keep them from flying. They took the lives of many, but they couldn't take our freedom. Why? Because of what they believed in. Today, the single biggest threat to America is not the COVID-19 virus. It is who and what you believe in. Today, there is a generation that is arising that simply have no faith at all. You've heard me teach on this before. They're entitled the nuns. I'm not talking about Catholicism. Nuns, they don't believe in anything. And do you realize today that what's with much of the younger generation, that because there's not been a testimony, Mike, that has been passed down from mothers and fathers and grandmas and grandpas, because there's not been a testimony now, they don't believe anything. When we die, we just die. Friend, I've got to tell you, when you die, you can just die. 
But when I die, I'm going to heaven. Hallelujah. What I've got to tell you is you can believe the devil's lie and tell you that when all of this is over, it's just done and it's finished. And that hell is some kind of keg party that's just reserved for the disobedient and for those that have trusted him. Can I tell you, hell is no keg party. Hell is a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Health is, hell is a place of utter darkness where you're chained forever away from any and all things that ever matter to you. And the only voices that you may hear may be the sounds of your children around you that you didn't testify to because you didn't believe in an almighty God. If I was going to take down a nation, I'd destroy what they believed in. Almost 60 years after, December 7th, 1941, Mike, I forget, somewhere between 250 and 400, which is a very wide range of Japanese dive bombers and different ones that came that fateful morning on that surprise attack. A large swarm. But almost 60 years later, a much smaller swarm came. It was another surprise attack, again on U.S. soil. And on that morning of September 11th, just a few years back, you watched maybe as I did on the TV, and you said, how could this be happening? This is America. In 1941, a nation rose up, and we declared war on an enemy that we had not known, at least on our own soil. And that generation of belief stayed in place. Were they all Christian? I don't know that they were. But they had a belief in a nation that was one nation under God. In 2001, as people watched, you didn't, as you watched that morning, maybe as I did, it hit the first twin tower, then the second. Then you hear of the multiple reports of the other planes, one that was headed to the Pentagon, the other that crashed in the field. You hear of all these things. And can I tell you, preachers didn't have to call for prayer meetings. People just showed up to church. There may have been more, but two times. Within what we would call this century and the decades, maybe to just a very few that have experienced both. An enemy from the outside attacked. And what did they want to do? They wanted to attack the very foundation and the belief of what this nation was founded upon. You would have thought that in 2001, and it did happen, and I know this is teaching today. You would have thought that we would have woken up. And for a time, people came to church. Not being condemning. Please don't see that as condemning. And we believed in one God. We believed in our God. We believed in Jehovah God and His Son, Jesus. But it wasn't long after that. 
a sympathizer. And people that were driven by tolerance say we must accept everybody. And, and listen, before I go any further and before this gets out there wrong, Jesus said, whosoever will, let them come. And that's my heart too. I'm not wishing any harm on anyone. But I want to speak that you don't have to live in the doubt and the unbelief and believing a false narrative that you're believing right now. You can come to Jesus so that you could have that opportunity to come to him and be changed. So the death of a nation. If you notice, this is what's been happening. Dealing with the belief. It's U.S. history versus world history. Today in many of our classrooms throughout this land, we're pushing U.S. history aside and we want to know more about world history. Why is it deliberately not being taught? Why? So that our children will have more of a worldview than a national view. Here's what I need to tell you. Is that God is a national God. What are you talking about? He took the nation of Israel. He formed a nation. When there was a whole people, when there were, he still, and God still uses a nation. Today, Brother Wayne, what is that saying? You're talking about this? You No, I'm talking about kingdom-minded people. And the attack today is just not on the foundations of the United States of America. There's an attack coming against the kingdom of God. So let's push U.S. history aside so our kids can forget about a national view and develop more of a global view, a worldwide view. I want to declare this again, that this nation was founded upon this very thought, that this is one nation under God. And you expect today from me to believe the narrative that this is one world over God. This is nationalism versus globalism, socialism, and communism. That's what this is, and that when you look at certain members, even of Congress, that begin to applaud what's going on. And the whole time, and guys, for the life of me, I can't understand how that anybody that is making a decision for this nation, how you can absolutely say you believe in keeping this one alive and yet bringing death to children in the womb. I can't understand that. You can't tell me that you believe in life and yet you believe in murdering babies. And today it doesn't matter the denominational lines. You can be Catholic. You can be Baptist. You can be Methodist. You can be this or that. Can I tell you? I'll tell you what it is. It's a bunch of liberal mess that believes more in self and not in the Savior. Can I tell you, every time that you are allowing that, listen, for that clinic to be open, every time that you do that, and every time, listen, if you're a doctor today and you're watching, or even if you're a nurse and you work in one of those clinics, thank you for tuning in. But can I tell you, every time that you have your hand in taking part of that precious baby out of that womb, you are coming against the image of God, and God is jealous of His image, and He's jealous of who and what He has created. Let me tell you I thank God for. 
I thank God for the men and women of God that stand in Congress. I thank God for the men and women of God here locally to say we choose life. We believe in life. I wish I could get about five more people up in here. I will tell you this, that when you come to me and you say, well, I'd like to have your vote, I just need to go ahead and forewarn you that, listen, the greatest piece of criteria is that is for not, listen, can I tell you, I'm so sick of the enemy's lies. I'm so sick of how that alcohol was going to come to this county and it was going to pay for this and it was going to pay for that and how it was going to do this and everything. Can I tell you something? Why don't we bring Jesus to this county? Why don't we do that? Pray for me. I'm getting there. I thank God for you. And I'm going to go ahead and make this clear. You can be a Republican or a Democrat. You can be whatever else. You can be whichever one of those things. But I'll ask you this first. What's your thoughts on life? Can I tell you, we can separate it a lot of things, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you can't choose life with me, you're choosing death. And today, I choose life. I will tell you this, I'm not hating on you, not doing that, man. Anybody that knows me, I'm not malicious like that. But I will tell you right now, I will not, cannot, nor will I ever agree with you. And if you're one of those people out there right now, and I don't know how many times this will get shared, I need to tell you, regardless of what you've done, and if you're on the other end of this camera, and you were one of those that were led, pushed, shoved, or even upon your own thought or belief, you thought that was the best option for you at the time, can I tell you, my God is long-suffering, and he's faithful. He won't hold it against you once it's under the blood. And you need to understand today that being forgiven that God forgives you of everything of yesterday. And you can start brand new today. I got to hurry. By the way, thank you for staying with me. This is one nation under God. It's nationalism versus, like I said, globalism, socialism, communism, and the thought of this. Look to the government and not to God. This is what needs to happen. We have begin the mindset. We reward the lazy, complacent, disobedient, lethargic, the help me, forget you mentality. You have expectation. You want expectations of good things without inspection. You know what? Developing the mentality. You want favor but deny the faith. You want the harvest. And you don't want to help. You say, wait just a minute, Pastor Wayne. God's not a respecter of persons. I'm going to tell you this. This is I believe this to be from the Holy Ghost. You cry for equality, but you close your eyes to opportunity. The kingdom of God is not built on enablement. The kingdom of God is built on empowerment. Now, right now, I'm going to tell you this, men and women of God, I need to tell you this. Absolutely, we pay our taxes. Why? To further, to further the whole thought and the common good of each and every one of us. That when you are sick, we all should provide. That when you are out of work, I'm 100% behind it. Got to tell you, don't mess this narrative up, man. I'm behind that. But what I need to tell you today is this, is that we cannot let the mindset begin to shift in the direction of socialism, spiritualism, and everything else and be led by a bunch of nuns, N-O-N-E-S, that have no belief.
I'm not done. You say we must be kind and we put, and listen, you may have one of these signs in your yard, and I know you're doing it for the right reason, Christian. We got signs in our yard that says we must be kind, and yet we still kill babies in the womb. You're trying to tell me to study and accept other world's religions and you won't give me the grace to learn more about my king. You tell me that I need to learn more about the Koran and I need to forget Christ. Can I tell you, it's not going to happen. Period. And right now, listen, just as the Japanese came, and whether it was true or not, from the Japanese admiral, or not, whether he truly said that my greatest fear is that we've woken up a sleeping giant. Can I tell you, church, you remember even back in January, one of the last messages that we preached here was the church has fallen asleep, but the church is getting ready to wake up. I believe that anything and everything that is going on right now is awaking the bride of Christ, and it's a spirit-filled bride. Hallelujah. Can I get five people in here to praise God? You want to teach me to teach my kids of how Muslims believe while tearing down what I believe. You want me to teach classes on the fallacy of the Quran without allowing our kids to be taught creation. So teach the Quran, but ban Christ. Why? Is your testimony so important? Because of your kids. And your kids' kids. Maybe you've got to be like me and repent. And maybe you've got to be like me and say, God, forgive me. If you've got a Braden at home. Still at home. Praise God. Maybe if you've been to that point that you've not testified of what God has done, start today. And let's pray it's not too late. Because you're getting ready to get a nation that you didn't know was coming, or did you? The price, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a word with you today. If y'all will put that, I'm going to give you two words today. Before I wrap up, I'm going to start this before I explain these two words. When I started here, I told you. I say I told you, I released to you that this ain't my destiny. This is just part of my testimony. Countless times in my life, Shannon, the enemy has told me this is the end. Countless times, Amy, there were people that told us your marriage is over, did they not? And they were speaking death to our marriage. Is that true? Can you shout amen? She shouted amen. We had all kinds of people that kept preaching death. And if we believed if we had developed the unbelief that God could restore, and if we had allowed doubt to creep in, and I've got to tell you, I was at the breaking point. 
we'd allowed for that to happen, we wouldn't have a testimony today. 25 to 30 years ago, years before I was called to preach, the enemy wanted my marriage. Not only did he want my marriage, he wanted Amy's marriage. But then God stood up and said, wait a minute, that's my marriage. Had the enemy succeeded 25 or 30 years ago, would there have been a potter's hope? I don't know. I guess there'd have been something similar. There'd been something like it. But can I tell you, had the enemy won all those years ago, if we'd allowed him to speak death to our marriage, there wouldn't be a Hannah and there wouldn't be a Braden. I don't think that I would have been able to enjoy the joy that I felt in this house, Jenny. Destiny. Can I define it as I get ready to close? A person's destiny is everything that happens to them during their life, including what will happen in the future, especially when it is considered to be controlled by someone or something else. So if you're taking notes today, I want you to see destiny as fate. Go ahead and say fate, because many people say that's just my fate, that's just my destiny. And many people will accept that. And this is the thing today, that every time that you turn on the TV, there's this thing, there's this, this corona, a coronavirus update. We understand that. And, man, I'm not trying to minimize that. Guys, I have to always go back and tell you. And, man, we are praying. Well, we are praying. We're believing that not one more death, not just here, but in this nation. But every time that you... Turn on the TV. There's something that tries to grab your attention. And the one thing that you hear before you hear of those people that are, that are winning and those people that have been restored and those people that are coming, there's been this many die again today. What is that? Let me tell you this. Hell loves a death narrative. Hell wants you to focus on death and not on life. What am I talking about? Hell wants you to focus on your headstone and not the cornerstone. Hell wants to tell you everything that is coming against you and after you. Life says that I am for you and not against you. I've made you more than a conqueror. Rise up in my name and declare victory. Destiny is fate. And that's when people just yield. And many people say, oh, this is what's just going to happen. Can I tell you, if I'm cold in my room, I get up and I adjust the thermostat. If it's hot in my room, I get up and I adjust the thermostat. If things are not right in my life, I get up and I adjust the thermostat. And I declare that my God cannot fail. Destiny as fate is one thing. Praise team as you come. Come on up. I'm getting ready to wind this up. Those two words that I use, is this your destiny? And I know that as I say that, I kind of sound like Mike Tyson talking. I'm not trying to be cute or funny. But your destiny is keeping your eyes on death instead of life. Yeah, these are a couple of those words that you might not find in the dictionary, but they're sure in my heart. Or is it just part of your testimony? Your testimony 
as I close, your testimony is what God is doing and what you're choosing to do in the midst of everything that is going on. This isn't the end of things. This isn't that. It's, it's not that at all. Matter of fact, for so many, it's the beginning of a new life. This is not my destiny. This is just part of my testimony. So destiny is fate, and the other thing is destiny as a force. Destiny as a force is this, is the force where some people believe control the things that happen to you in your life. So am I, am I built by fate? For instance, what's going to happen is just going to happen? Or does my destiny rely upon a force, the Holy Ghost, Stephanie, that is on the inside of me? You've got to make up your mind today. In your own life, is it fate or is it just a force? Or is it the force, the Holy Ghost? Why? Not only does your life depend upon it because your kids and the testimony that you share with them. It's not whether or not you get bombed. It's not whether it's conventional, biological, but rather it's ideological. It's what you believe in the ideas of men that are tearing down the structure of this one nation under God. I wrote this down. The giants that keep you from your destiny and your plan of promise are not those that are out ahead of you or in front of you. The greatest giant that you have to defeat, Eric, it's not what's out here. It's what's in here. Today, if doubt or unbelief are there, you've got to testify that your God is greater. Close with this scripture, Revelation chapter 9 and verse, excuse me, Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He was cast into the earth, and his angels or his demons were cast out with him. I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now has come salvation. You know what? It's not now has come death. There's two simultaneous things working. We know that the devil was cast out of the presence of God. He's the prince, the power of the air. He doesn't have access to God unless God grants it. He has no power unless God allows it. So what's God doing? God's getting all his people and getting those that are sitting on the fence. He's allowing them to get right or get left. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now has come death? No, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. The accuser of our brethren is cast down, which has accused them or which has accused them before our God day and night. And Miss Amy, the very piece of scripture that many have been quoting in Revelation 12 and verse 11. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. We overcome today by the power of the blood and by the word of the testimony.